Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi guys, welcome back to the Spurred On podcast. We've got a huge game at Old Trafford this coming Sunday, so I thought who better to get on than the host of the official Manchester United podcast and television presenter and all-round excellent, lovely chap, Sam Homewood. How are you, Sam? That is a very nice introduction. I feel very good now. Thank you. I'm very good. How are you? No problem at all. And I'm going to say just in advance for everyone, if you hear a humming in the background, it's because Sam is doing his laundry and why not? Yeah, yeah. My brother's uh, come to stay for a couple of days and my six-week-old daughter was sick all over his T-shirt, so I'm washing it for him. Uh, I was going to ask whether, reasonable it's just, thing to do. whether your washing machine is just full of uh, sharp Manchester United jerseys from back in the 90s. We had some really good kits. <laughs> There's some really good goalkeeper kits, especially, I think, were as good as anyone from I any complete, era. I completely agree, but at risk of alienating my Spurs-based fan base, mm-hmm. we should probably uh, get into it. Obviously... Big game. I have a feeling that Spurs tend to have a terrible record at Old Trafford, except for the odd kind of. Um, and Gareth Bale three... won the goal. Yeah, we had a we had a, like a six-one a couple of years ago, and then a three-nil where Lucas Moura scored a, a, a hat trick. But I just wanted to yeah. know from a Man United um, fan kind of opinion, what do you think about these games against Spurs? Do you feel confident going into them, or because I feel a little bit like Man United are always going to beat us. Uh, well, I, I will add before I. Uh, it's a lovely question. Before I answer it, though, I'm going to tell you a small anecdote. I was at the six-one game, and it was during COVID, and nobody was allowed to be at football, mm. and it felt like such an insane privilege to be able to go and watch my team, and it be my job is a wonderful fluke. But regardless of the job element, I was still able to just go and watch United at Old Trafford when no one else could, and then we lost six-one, and it felt like some sort of weird, weirdly specific torture. Yeah. yeah. I didn't um, enjoy that at all. I'm going to uh, shock I, you, Sam. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. torture to me, and I watched it in a pub in Islington. 
Yeah, I know. I believe it. Um, I have always enjoyed the games against Spurs. Like, and I always think, oh, cool, Tottenham. Yeah, it's ne- it's not like it's not like Liverpool or Arsenal or City. It's a different. It's a there's a different dynamic between United and Spurs in the same way that it's slightly changed as as Spurs have become a bit more financially powerful and stuff. Because mm-hmm. also like the years of going, oh, Spurs have got someone good. Well, we'll just we'll just buy them. <laughs> we'll, just take, we'll just take Dimitar Berbatov, no problem. And we can't have Son and we can't have Kane or we couldn't get Kane, etc. Yeah. Um, but th- I think they're always good. I always expect them to be good. I always think there's going to be goals. I don't know if we ever draw nil-nil. I never think we're going to draw nil-nil. No, that's absolutely right. I, I, I get the sense that you weren't as uh, upset that we got Fraser Campbell as part of the Dimitar Berbatov deal as we are you getting Berbatov. So uh, do you know how that happened? Uh, I'd love you to tell me. So I think I'm sure it was Wigan. So he was uh, Sunderland. I can't remember who the club was. Maybe it was Sunderland. Probably Sunderland. So he was there in Sunderland. Let's say it's Sunderland. With Steve Bruce, manager of Sunderland, mm-hmm. his dad and his agent. And he's about to sign a loan deal with Sunderland. And that's where he's going. Yeah. And it's like two minutes to midnight, isn't it? On the When United finally signed Berbatov, it's on, it's on the stroke yeah, yeah, of yeah. the, the yeah, deadline yeah. closing. So he's there. He's about to sign the deal. He's feeling really good. Young striker. He's got a club where a manager specifically wants him, believes in him. They've had a lot of conversations about it. It's all happening. They're in the boardroom at two minutes to midnight. And Fraser's phone rings. He answers it, says hello. And the response is, this is Sir Alex. Berber- the Berbatov deal hangs on you going to Spurs. Call me back in two minutes. <laughs> and hangs up. And he sits there and he's just staring at Steve Bruce and his dad and his agent. And they go, oh, yeah, who was that? And that was quick. He goes, well, that's pressure. yeah, that's that's Sir Alex. And if they want Berbatov, I've got to go to Spurs. It was all on him in that moment. Yeah. And also, if he ever wants to play for Man United again, he's got to mm-hmm. do exactly. I mean, that, that actually yeah. is a great example. Once again, of many great examples of Ferguson knowing football is inside and out and knowing his power and knowing that basically by saying it's up to you, what he means yeah. is don't think you'll ever talk to me again unless this comes back the way I need it to. Yeah, if I don't get better. And also like the, the 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 element of that as well that I love is that it's not just I can't get the deal I want if you don't do the right thing. It's I can't get someone to come in and play in your position yeah. where you want to play and they're going to be a star. So yeah. it's going to make your life harder here anyway. Yeah. But the only chance of success is if you make me happy and leave and go to Spurs. That is a great story. Uh, I love it. Okay, so we're going to get more on to like Man United at the moment. Mm-hmm. Things are up and down. We're recording this on Tuesday. So you've just won in the FA Cup, which I guess is, yeah. a, is a bit of respite probably. But I'm going to go through some of your Premier League results. Lost to Forest 2-1. Beat Villa 3-2 at home, but you were 2-0 down at home in that game. That was a kind of throwback to the 90s coming back from uh, the jaws of defeat there. West Ham lost 2-0. Liverpool 0-0 away. Good result, but a bit of stick from the pundits about not attacking enough, which has been bizarre to me, I have to say. Bournemouth lost 3-0 at home. Chelsea, you beat 2-1 at home. I think that was at home. And then Newcastle, you lost 1-0. So it's it's very up and down. Fewer ups and downs. As a fan, how does it feel at the moment? Um, I think whenever you're not winning, it's frustrating. Mm. And especially, I, I, I've... I've only known Manchester United. That's only that's the only team I've ever loved. I, I can't. I know some people have like a like because I ov- obviously did not grow up in Manchester. Shock to so, hear. yeah, some people would maybe support United. Like one of my friends growing up is a Gillingham fan, but he's supported United, but mm-hmm. he's a Gillingham fan. And as he's got older and older and older, he's far less interested in United, and it's just it just goes to Gillingham whenever he can. I never had that, so I've never had a team that lost a lot. Right. As much as people can criticise me for that, so. It's it's not fun, is it? I don't enjoy it. Um, 
But also, I think the performances are sometimes a bit of a mixed bag because sometimes we don't get results and I don't think we've played badly. Like, mm. actually, at 2-0 down to Villa, we weren't significantly worse. They scored from two set pieces. We actually had more shots in the first half. We had more possession. So the 3-2 in that, which is a great story, and it was a really good comeback, and it was really fun. But over the, over the course of 90 minutes, we were the better team in that game. Yeah. But it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's difficult because we... The thing that Eric has said that I... I'm trying to learn, I'm still trying to learn as much as I can about football. I don't ever want to think like, because that's like when you talk to ex-players or you talk to managers or players or whatever, and they'll always drop something, I find, that I'll go, oh, I never looked at it from that perspective. Even like, because it'd be easy to be like, oh, well, I played for my school or whatever. So I've been in dressing rooms. I know what it's like. Obviously, it's totally different. Um, but like Eric makes a point about how he doesn't like to give excuses. And he always says, I'm not giving excuses, but how we've had loads of injuries and that's everyone's had loads of injuries. But actually, the injuries we've had, I think, mean that the performances vary wildly. Because if you look at, say, Diogo Dallo and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, they're, two, not, they're not particularly similar players. Mm-hmm. So if, depending on which one is playing, I imagine that impacts drastically the centre-back or goalkeeper because their, their positioning is going to be different and what they want to do when they receive the ball is going to be different. And so I think to find rhythm... It's yeah. been really difficult because in every position, we've had constant injuries. So nothing has been settled at any point, with the exception of the goalkeeper, who is new. So yeah. therefore, has had his own issues to deal with because he's learning the Premier League. Exactly. And you mentioned the injuries. So I'm going to name the ones that I think are potentially out or doubtful for the Spurs game. Martinez and Casemiro, definitely, I think. Luke Shaw is a doubt, I think. Uh, Malassia, Mount, Lindelof, Maguire, and then obviously the lesser spotted Jaden Sancho. You mentioned, you know, what Eric Ten Hag has said about injuries. I mean, I, and and you said everyone suffered from injuries. What I'd actually say is I think Man United, Newcastle and Spurs have suffered from it the most. Um, Spurs' injuries are starting to come back, but we're talking about players there, especially in Martinez and Casemiro, if you think about Casemiro's um, form last season, Maguire and Lindelof and Mount, like right down the spine, really yeah. so what ten hag is saying i think is fair yeah i i um i i is that difficult position of going to you know what it's manchester united and i don't want to give excuses if someone beats us they have to be at their absolute best otherwise there's no there's no good reason not to have won yeah. but also yeah you, you need a you need a spine of your team you need core people that are playing every minute every game and the only one we have is bruno who plays every minute of every game mm. in every competition and he, I mean, he does his best to set standards and keep the team going, but he ends up all over the pitch, I think, often, because he's just trying to trying to plug holes because the people he's used to playing with aren't there. I yeah. think if you have Martinez and Casemiro in the team, I'd really like to see some Mason Mount, because we've not really seen him at United. Yeah. Um, but those he's, defi- he's definitely a talent. He's definitely a talent, yeah. Mason Mount. He's played, he, he's a really brilliant footballer. I do really like him. So who I'd have really liked, um, not as an except, nothing to do with Mason Mount, just separately, James mm-hmm. Madison. He's a lovely, lovely player. We've missed, yeah. we've missed him, and actually, mm-hmm. you know, sit, so he got injured after the first ten games where we'd won eight and drawn two. And genuinely, I feel strongly that if that mad Chelsea game where everyone got injured and sent off hadn't happened, then Spurs mm-hmm. would be really there or thereabouts. He's yeah. a, he is a beautiful player, and it, it is interesting. Well, actually, this brings me on to a point I wanted to ask about. Anyway, so mm-hmm. you mentioned Bruno Fernandez. I agree. I think Bruno Fernandes is a great player. And obviously Spurs were very close to getting him before United kind mm-hmm. of stole in and got him. Um, 
However, I do want to raise a point, which is I think Christian Eriksen is arguably the most elite number 10 of the last decade in the Premier League, if you take away his little sojourn into Italian football and everything that happened to him, of course. I think in a way, Eriksen being pushed back into central midfield is kind of not utilising his talents enough. And you're almost in a difficult position because you're, two of your best three or four players play in the same position. Yeah, I, uh, I, I tell you something that I think is really interesting. It's because I asked him that and he said he's never been a number 10. He never wanted to be a number 10. He always wanted to play deeper. Really? Yeah. He's he's never... so elite at Spurs in picking up the ball in yeah. those little pockets and playing those through balls. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I um he's really lovely. So I see him fairly regularly and he's always so nice and we'll always have a chat. And I have said to him many times, I cannot believe that you got him so cheap. It was like seven million pounds or something ridiculous, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. And he's yeah. so good. And everybody knew how good he was. It wasn't yeah. like a secret, like, oh, this uncovered gem that no one's ever heard of. He was like the hot young thing in Europe. And you just yeah. went and got him so cheap. And then he was just marvellous for so long that I, I also can't believe, there was no disrespect to Spurs whatsoever, that he stayed for as long as he did. Mm. Given how good he was mm. in such a specialist position, any club in Europe would have benefited from him being there. Yeah, so I... I completely agree. And I remember at the time agreeing with it or thinking exactly what you said. The fun, the thing is about Ericsson and Bale, actually, who are worth both talking about because Man United were sniffing around yeah, both one, players. One both. Yeah, exactly. Um, both of them had their careers so perfectly mapped out, I think, in cahoots with like their dads, basically, and their agents, where mm-hmm. um, basically both of them had the chance to go to United, I think. Certainly Bale did. And they were like, well, actually, what we need at this stage of our career, of my career is a stepping stone club in essence. Yeah. And Bale did that perfectly and got his move to Madrid, et cetera, et cetera. And then Ericsson, I think, kind of did that. And actually what happened when Ericsson was at Spurs was probably unexpected in that we, under Pochettino, we became about five years ahead of our kind of master plan. Mm-hmm. Our master plan was move into the new stadium and then get Champions League football because of the increased revenue. But Pochettino did such an amazing job and Ericsson helped us get towards that, that we, we got a bit ahead of ourselves. And therefore I think he probably stayed a, couple of years longer than he would have envisaged but yeah i'm so glad to hear you say he's a nice guy because i just he was so nice such a brilliant player for spurs and unfortunately as is in the internet age always bit there's a corner of the spurs fan base who are a bit like oh in his last year when he was running down his contract his form wasn't quite what it had been and for me that's just like human nature if you're running down your contract because you think there's a chance of going on a free Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're going to drop off 1% because you don't want to get injured. And no, no mm-hmm. offense to Christian Eriksen, he's never been a 50-50 tackler or header winner player anyway. Um, but he was just a beautiful footballer for Spurs. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it's interesting to hear you say that he doesn't think of himself as number 10 because I just think his through balls and the assists he got and his numbers at Brentford as well really kind of proved yeah, it was spot. unbelievable at Brentford. And he's not reaching his numbers at Brentford at Man United and that's a shame. Anyway, no. talked a lot yeah, about he, that. Here's another one that's been injured. Yeah, go on. Well, as I say, he's, just, he's another one that has, oh, he has been injured. He's been injured this season. He was injured, towards, he was injured around January last season and he came back in and he didn't do too many games where he played more than like 60 minutes. He was often coming off at about the hour mark. And yeah. this season, he's been injured as well. So our midfield, I mean, it's been amazing for Colby Maynou because of how good yes. he is. But the opportunities have come because there's no one to play. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. It's worth asking you a little bit, you know, um, whether you've sensed from within the club a kind of uplift in morale since the um, 25% Ineos thing. I just asked because uh, I met a girl... <laughs> randomly a few years ago who uh worked at spurs and she said that basically the trouble at spurs uh in terms of um morale not being great was totally different when pochettino was in charge and there was kind of almost like a trickle down effect and i just and i don't mean like any shade against the glazers or anything like that i just mean an influx or 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 an incoming of new something has there been like a ah okay now we are there's something more to be excited about i don't know i mean i don't know is the honest answer but i suppose so because it's 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 um it's an answer to a question that people have been like in within the media we've all heard about for a long time and then so you want stability so i guess there's that and also uh we know there's there's investment in the stadium coming and stuff mm. with that so i think there's probably a bit of good because people have been waiting to know exactly what's happening i think it's probably more that Great. Uh, can um, I ask you a question about Potch? I know this is supposed to be, you were going to ask me about Man United, but now that he's at Chelsea, what's the general view of Spurs fans? Um, it's really it's like torn, Potch. actually. That That's mm-hmm. very interesting you ask because, you know, I'm quite a glass half full Spurs fan. So I look mm, back at Potch's, guy. I look I look back at Potch's reign and think he did an amazing job. I, I cried when we sacked him, genuinely. Uh, it was very sad. That's not to say that at the time I didn't think, oh, maybe Jose Mourinho could be the answer, which I was wrong about. And I felt the same about Conte, which I was wrong about. Um, uh, there's, there's something about Pochettino that people actually forget a little bit, which is they talk about how in the last year at Spurs, our record wasn't as great, even though we made the Champions League final. Our away record was particularly quite bad. We hadn't won away in like six months. But... Um, we did kind of put all our eggs in that Champions League basket and for Spurs to get to a Champions League final is just beyond all expectations and I'd never thought I'd go to a Champions League final and yes, I enjoyed it for 22 seconds and that's all fine, whatever. (laughs) That's what happens. But um, there was another thing about Pochettino in that last couple of years. He was angling for the Man United job. Like there were lots and lots of chat about that and he was angling for it and I think he saw the kind of, he had reached his, where the, the most he could make it at Spurs and he thought, Do you know what? I think I could, I could really grow Man United from a place where, you know, and we're talking what five years ago, you know, nothing has really changed at Man United. And he thought he could, he could build a, like a project, and maybe win the Champions League at, at United. And I think a lot of that kind of angling, kind of quiet angling, subtle, 
little comments here and there in press conferences and stuff is why Levy kind of pulled the plug on him, kind of as much as him having had a bad start. I think he had enough kind of collateral in the bank to have survived that had it not seemed to Levy like he maybe wanted to be somewhere else. Yeah. I Would you have wanted him? Would you have wanted him as Man United manager at the time? Um, I wouldn't have been upset if we'd got him. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know if there was a point that he was ever my number one right. pick. Uh, because, and it's, it's unfair, uh, because I think, and this is the same reason I like, so Jose, I think would have been a good, isn't a good Spurs manager, but is a good Chelsea manager. Cause I think mm. the psychology of the managers has to fit the ethos of the club. Whereas I think Spurs are a glass half full football club. Whereas Chelsea, I think are, Chelsea fans wouldn't appreciate it, but um, um, they have a more of a siege mentality. Totally. Say, like say Millwall would by comparison to Luton, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that personality really, like Mourinho really fits Chelsea, really fits into Milan, but you can't do that around Madrid and you can't do that in Man United. You can't be at the biggest clubs and then go, oh, we're the underdog. It doesn't work. You can't yeah. build that narrative. And at Spurs, where it's glory, 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 glory Tottenham Hotspur, yeah. Precisely. There I don't is think to you can do. Have, yeah. yeah, to dare us to do. You can't have that optimistic output and think, yeah, to dare us to do. And then have Conte come in and go, yeah, to dare us to do, back six. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't work. So it's, uh, whereas, but, and Poch should work at Man United. The only thing about him I didn't like, uh, and it's an unfair criticism, is I wanted him to have won something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, isn't it mad that we're able to have this conversation and it seems so yeah, clear cut? And yet yeah, the, <laughs> the people at the top of football clubs mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. make like the most bananas decisions mm-hmm. ever. So that's why Ange is such a great Spurs manager. Because I, I think he's obviously an incredibly talented football manager, but his ethos mirrors what I think Spurs' ethos is or yeah. should be, or I guess... It, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I I completely agree. And that's where actually, interestingly, because there's a big, I can't even say a corner, there's a big part of the Spurs fan community who really detest our owner and our chair, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the board and stuff. But actually, I think you've got to give them props where you're also able to abuse them. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me that it wasn't a huge risk uh, going for Ange Postacoglu when he's never managed in the league. He's never managed at a kind of what's deemed to be a top league. And clearly to me, what happened was, Levy met him and was just blown away by his exactly what you're talking about yeah. how it mirrors what Tottenham Hotspur are all about and he's completely single-minded about that and it is honestly it's a breath of fresh air it's very refreshing yeah I, I like him I think he seems like a cool guy okay so let's go into this game Sunday afternoon what mm-hmm. what are your what are your thoughts you know like you said I think we both agree there are probably going to be lots of goals yeah. um obviously you you know you beat Chelsea at home and uh, Villa at home. You've had obviously mm-hmm. the Bournemouth one was bad. I have a feeling that you are better set up against teams who are going to come at you. Is that is that a fair? Yeah, I think so. I think we're better. We're, I think we're better when we get to use the ball. That makes no sense, does it? We're better when we <laughs> use the ball. What a team! Um, no, I think I think we're better when we go into a game and things are well weighted. So Spurs are a very good club we'll go into it but it's like Bournemouth nobody expected Bournemouth to come and start taking punches in the first 10 minutes right and and, uh, and sometimes I think that can cause a bit more of um more of a problem because then it's suddenly you find yourselves in situations that you weren't expected to be in 
Yeah, so kind of underdog theory, really, where yeah. unless you get an early goal at home against some of those low block teams, they do have a chance of nicking one, and then pressure rises in the ground and exactly everything feels yeah, yeah, things changes. Whereas uh, I think our games against the bigger clubs, we we usually it's a good game of football. Okay, and who for any of our viewers and listeners who don't watch a mm. lot of Man United, I feel like you're going to say Bruno, but who's kind of playing best for you this season? Who should we look out for on the danger list? For not saying Bruno, because so, so just quickly on Bruno, regardless of Manchester United, if Bruno played for anybody, mm. Bruno Fernandes, I think, is a fantastic football player mm. who gets more abuse and uh, more uh, sort of thrown his way in terms of the idea of like, we live in 2024, so like the idea that he's a fraud, than probably anyone in the league. And it's because Man United aren't playing very well, consistent over like in his career. United haven't been exceptional sure. by any United standard. And because he's the best player and consistently has been, mm. he's the one you, you poke at. Whereas it's, you ignore the ones that aren't consistently great. Whereas he's really good all the time. He's constantly putting up huge numbers. Yeah. Can I, can I offer, I'm going to offer another angle, but also I'm not going to ask Please. you to agree with it. Uh, no, no, fine. I, I actually don't read a lot about him being a fraud, but he does throw himself to the ground rather too dramatically. And I think therefore opposition fans in britain in south america people yeah. would applaud him for that but in britain they use that as a stick to to beat him with but it's just professionalism really yeah i i've taken the that the view uh obviously there was a penalty yesterday that was debated wasn't it fun that it was debated rather than we spent oh, 20 minutes watching var it was really I nice I i've taken the view that like I, you just have to football is a lovely in, in english football is a multicultural game excellent it makes it better and you have to accept that in different parts of the world, what we perceive as diving is gamesmanship and is applauded. And yeah. we would go, that's disgusting, that's despicable. Whereas someone else is going to go, that's superb. That's exactly, exactly what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And I suppose that's it. You just have to go, okay, that's it's not, but might not be my favourite thing, but yeah, fine. Um, Garnacho is my answer anyway. Yes, lovely, he's, lovely player. Yeah, he's so direct. And it, I think there are so few genuinely direct wide players in the, in in the game now because we don't have proper wingers we have they're just all forwards aren't they yeah and pretty much 90% of the time he gets the ball he just drives at goal and he's with no real aspiration to like oh i don't know i might cut back or he's just trying to get as close to the goal as possible and then he'll make a decision and for someone who's 19 yeah his decision making in the final third is so good mm -hmm. because like if you I mean, it's unfair to pick Ronaldo, but if you look at like a 19-year-old Ronaldo, he was shooting any time he was near the goal. Yeah. Garnacho doesn't do that. He'd get himself into positions where he could shoot, but then he'd still lay a ball off. Or like yesterday against Wigan, a ball came to him in a position he could have shot from, but he dummied it because he heard a call from behind him. It's just, he's much cleverer and much more mature than you'd expect him to be. Yeah, and also one of the reasons I would say I'd probably go into this game at the weekend quite worried, not only just because I think you're better set up against teams who are going to try and come at you. But also we leave a lot of space in behind our fullbacks and Garnacho will see himself. If you get your diagonal passes across the pitch mm -hmm. sorted, which I'm sure you will, because you'll have, you know, Bruno on the ball or I don't know if Ericsson will be fit, but you've got enough good players to do it. Garnacho will have the freedom of, of the kind of left-hand side. And if he can get that decision-making right, there'll be goals there. But I also think, I also think, you know, especially with a lot of your injuries defensively, there'll be opportunities for us as well. So I'm going to ask you, Sam, before we go, prediction. Mm -hmm. What are you going to... I want a score prediction from you and some scorers. I want to say 4-3, but I'm going to say 3-2. Mm. Um, 
I just I think there'll be goals. There always are. That was my favourite thing about Spurs games when I was a kid. We'd always be losing and win. Like yeah, remember the the five three? I think you're probably thinking of yeah. It was really wonderful. Yeah, Um, I I think think that was a peak time where Alex Ferguson just used to go into the changing room and goes, guys, it's Tottenham, right? great isn't it well uh, it, i'm I, sure it was great at the time but for me it's yes, better now yeah. believe it or not <laughs> yeah i believe you i do believe you um i'm gonna go three two i think your lead then i think uh scott mctominay will score yeah i think hoyland will score and uh marcus will get one marcus rashford yeah he's coming back into yeah. form i think okay sam thank you so much i'm gonna yeah. say I'm going to say two all, actually. I'm I'm not going in confident, weirdly, and I've been confident most games this season, but there is, like I said, there's something about Old Trafford where I just feel like, I don't know, either, like I said, either we're going to get, we're going to, either we're going to play well and lose, like 3-2 or or 4-2 or something like that, or we'll score one, we'll score two, and then we'll score four, and it might be a calamity for you, but that's only yeah, based on mm-hmm. the 6-1 and that 3-0 time as well. But mm-hmm. Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Before we go, let me just say to you guys at home, thank you so much for your support. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast platforms, thanks, come over to YouTube at Barnaby Slater underscore and vice versa. If you're watching on YouTube, go across to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a subscribe or a follow, really appreciate it. And you can now become a Spurred On Pro member, just one pound a month, and you get extra perks like live Q&As, with me just for members and live shows guys thank you so much for watching and listening and good luck on sunday spurs